1: Hey everyone, what's up and welcome into Best on the Board here at The Athletic. It is Friday, October 8th. Week 5 of the NFL is our topic for today's show. On Best on the Board, Michael Beller and Casey Joyner are going to take you through our favorite plays for Week 5. Week 5, of course, already underway with the Rams picking up a 26-17 victory over the Seahawks on Thursday Night Football. Casey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, great. That was a fun game last night. Yeah, it was. It was, especially for those of us who, uh, you know, maybe had the Rams at uh, minus two and a half and maybe had <laughs> Daryl Henderson going over 64 and a half rushing yards. It was definitely fun for those of us who had that, although I will say, I was so I was debating between, I'm in in a home league, I'm in some dire running back straights, and I was debating, it's a relatively deep league, and I was debating, I needed to start two out of, Mike Davis, Alex Collins, and Latavius Murray. And I just kind like, like, I mean, right, mix those guys up, put them in a bag, pick out two, any two of the three are liable to be the best two of the three. And I had Alex. I really had, it was Mike Davis, Latavius, Mike Davis, and Latavius. And I was like, you know what? Let's throw Alex Collins in there. So now I'm already like, it's like I have to sit with this for oh, 72 no. hours now. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I hate that. I hate when you make the wrong, what feels like the wrong move on Thursday. And you just have to sit with that knowledge for three and, days and, until he, games happen again, and knowing that if if Russ had played another quarter and a half, maybe Collins gets you know more touches. Yeah, because you know, if, if you knew going in that Russ is going to be down for that much time, you would never put Collins oh, yeah. in. So, oh yeah, never, never. So, uh, but hey, that's the game we love, and that's part of why it's uh, part of what makes it fun—the unpredictability of it. And that's what we talk about in the gambling world too. As I said, we've got three picks a piece for you. Let's start running through them now, Casey. The first game that you want to talk about this this one is like. It's an interesting one to me because when I first saw the line on Panthers and Eagles, um, you know, it was three and a half to start and I was like, man, that feels like it should be a little bit higher. And now we've seen it go down to three. And so like it's a it's a pure stay away for me because I want I feel like the Panthers should be like five and a half point favorites in this game. And so the fact that it's been stubbornly right at a field goal scares me off, but it doesn't scare you off.
0: It doesn't scare me off. Um I'm with you. it's cause you usually get obviously three points for being the home team, and so that means that that betters think they're even. They're not. And I, I cover the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I did an article this week, a deep dive, so I really pay a lot of attention to the Eagles. And I did a deep dive as to why the Eagles need to stop their pass-happy ways and lean on the ground game. The owner and the analytics team wants them to be uh, pass-happy this is a team that ought to be able to, to run the football. That's all they should be doing. And Syrian is not going to take the advice. He's not going to take the approach. It's going to be a big problem. They got a road matchup against a powerhouse Carolina defense. They play a 3 3 5 stack defense where they stack the linebackers behind the defense alignment and then they blitz off of that. And it's so creative and so few teams do it to the extent that they do it. The Carolina leads the league in pass pressure rate. Panthers could also potentially get McCaffrey back for this game. Mm-hmm. And they got multiple pass to attack in Eagles defense. Last two games, get this. They've allowed 360 rushing yards, 851 offensive yards, 58 first downs, and 83 points. And they could be missing Lane Johnson for this game. The Eagles could. Mm -hmm. So they could be shorthanded on the offensive line again. I'm looking at all that, and I'm with you. I'm like, why is Carolina not a much bigger favorite than they are? So I think they're going
1: to cover this easily. So that's what I'm saying. So why, like, what all those things you say make sense when you look at what these teams have done this season? Like, Carolina has had a far more impressive season to date, and you know that feels like sort of trite to say. Carolina's three and one, and the Eagles are one and three. So like, that seems like an easy sort of layup thing to say, but also like the manner in which they have gotten to where they've gotten, the Panthers have had a far more impressive season. The Eagles beat the uh, Falcons thirty-two to six in Week One, and excuse me, what have they really done since that point? You know, they got run out of the uh, stadium against the Cowboys in week three. Last week against the Chiefs, the offense looked okay, but, you know, the score looked a little bit better than that game actually was. Chiefs had that game pretty much in hand early in the third quarter. Then a 17-11 loss to the 49ers. I mean, this team really hasn't done much of anything eye-opening since week one. So it's just, all that is to say that this line just really confuses the heck out of me. (laughs) And and it scares me, KC, I got to admit it. It's it's the Cowboys game last week. People look at the Cowboys
0: and they see what happened with Carolina and they thought, oh, Mm -hmm. Carolina is not that good. It's like, no, people, Dallas is that good. That's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) That, That game said how good Dallas was. Not anything bad about Carolina.
1: And yeah, that was something I actually talked about on the Monday episode of this show uh, when I'm making my early picks and I had the Cowboys among those early picks. Not going to double down on them here because the line hasn't changed at all. But yes, I think it's time to start taking the Cowboys seriously. As Certainly not in that top tier of teams, maybe not even in that second tier of teams, especially if like you're saying that second tier is teams like Cleveland and Sutton. Teams like that, I wouldn't put Dallas in that, but definitely the next group and potentially playing their way into that second tier as the season goes on. Our first pick of the day, you've got the Panthers minus three against the Eagles. Big game on Sunday Night Football this week, Chiefs and Bills. That's where I'm gonna go for my first pick. I'm playing into it. I- I'm just gonna buy right in. Let's go over 56 and a half. I know that you know that feels. I don't want to say like a sucker play, but it feels like that's where the oddsmakers want to steer us here. And 56.5 points, 57 points, that's a lot of points. No matter what offenses are on the field, it's a lot of points to score in an NFL game. But the Chiefs are just, they're an over team. That's what they are this season. They are an over team. And you look at what they've done through the first four weeks of the season. Week 1 against Cleveland, that game gets to 62 points. Week 2 against the Ravens, 71 points. Week 3 against the Chargers, 71. 54 points, which actually, by the time that game kicked off, wasn't under. Going to talk about those Chargers in just a second here. And then last week against the Eagles, 72 points. This is an over team, and it's because of what they do on both sides of the ball. We can talk about the Chiefs offense till we're blue in the face, but everyone knows what they do. That defense is very, very gettable. And with the way the uh, Bills have been going the last couple of weeks, I do think they're going to get them. So as as much as this just feels like a... Uh, me showing up and saying, just like taking the easy way out and saying, oh yeah, Chiefs, Bills, it's going to be high scoring, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think this number is high enough. And it's not like uh, Vegas can set an over-under at sixty one and a half. Like, they need some sort <laughs> of two-way action on it. But with the way these two teams are going, with the way the Chiefs are going on both sides of the ball... I do think that this is a game that plays to the script. A lot of people are expecting 38-35, 35-30, something along those lines. And I really don't think we're sweating this over by early in the fourth quarter. The thing about the the Chiefs is back in
0: 2019, Andy Reid realized that uh, we can't get into shootout games because we, his record in shootout games with that team is about 500. And he so he tried to get out of those games in 2019. He's trying to do it in 2020. 2021, so far, he can't do it. The thing is, <laughs> opponents know They need to get the Chiefs in that type of game, too. Opponents realize that's what we need to do is get them in and get them into a high scoring contest. Mm-hmm. We've got we can do that because that that makes them. You get into that time of a contest, uh, shootouts. Even the most powerful offense in NFL history, I've done studies on this. The most powerful offense in NFL history. There, if you take out a couple of outlier teams like the 2007 Patriots, those teams are just over 500. Like when 60 percent of their games are shootouts. So if you're Buffalo and you go in there going, look, if we get in a shootout, we know we can win it at least 40 percent of the time, and our offense might be that good too. So we can make this a 50 50 proposition. I think you like your chances. so that, that's that's one
1: thing is that the bills are probably motivated to go the same route too. Yeah, I think that both teams want to play this way. Both teams ha- have to play this way almost. And just going to trust the Chiefs track record so far this season. 54, the low mark in a Chiefs game so far this year. And that gets us a field goal away from the over here. And the Bills are going to play a whole lot faster on their side of the ball than we've seen the Chargers play to this point of the season. I really like the over 56 and a half. And what we're hoping should be a really, really fun game between two <laughs> big-time AFC contenders on Sunday Night Football. All right, KC, second pick a piece here. And let's go from the literal op- – let's go to the literal opposite end of the spectrum. We're talking about all the points we're expecting in Chiefs and Bills. 56.5, the over-under. Now let's jump on to the lowest over-under of the week. It is Patriots-Texans, 39.5. And here's the craziest thing about this one. I don't know if I've ever seen a game, KC, that has had an over-under this low with the favorite being favored by 8.5 or 9 points. And that's exactly what we've got in this game.
0: The problem is that Houston's got a quarterback, excuse me, Davis Mills. He's got no business being under center in an NFL game. Davis Mm -hmm. Mills last week went 11 for 21 for 87 yards, zero touchdowns, (laughs) four interceptions. He took three sacks for minus 26 yards. You take all that into account, he nets not even three yards per drop back. Per drop back. Not like, I mean, this is just (laughs) abysmal. Now, imagine that you got that player now facing a Bill Belichick defense. I mean, taking nothing away from Buffalo. Buffalo's are very good defense mm-hmm. in, in that matchup. They've got very good corners and such. They can you know, can play shutdown football if, if the matchup's right. But this is a Bill Belichick defense. And I know Stefan Gilmore has gone. He didn't play from this year anyway. But I mean, Bill Belichick's defense this year has still been very good. Look what they did last week against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Patriots could also be down for starting offensive linemen, potentially. They've got be, between injuries and the COVID-19 listed as but their potential to have that few of offensive linemen. Their offense hasn't been playing that particularly well anyway. It's not like this is a dynamic offense. And I think, by the way, David Cully, the Houston coach, is going to want to play close to the best. He's going to to flip the script and say the only way we've got a chance to win this game is to go low scoring and try and run the clock on that. So I'm looking at going, I can see the Patriots winning this game yeah, uh, You know, 24, I, 27 is what I like about I see them maybe get it, having a cap of 24, and I just can't see Davis Mills scored. I don't see him scoring 20 points against the Patriots.
1: You, you going to watch this game? <laughs> uh, it'll be on the background, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, I- I'll watch it because
0: I have an interest in it for this, yeah. but yeah, otherwise it's going to be, that. that's one of those games when you start to break it down on tape, and I go my all and tape breakdowns, you go, okay, people say I love to do this for a living, it's like, not when you got to break this game down, you
1: wouldn't. Oh, uh, man, I used to work for, uh, for uh, Stats, Inc., and um, this was the sort of game that you would actually love to get, because... I mean, it's like two and a half hours, right? You have to go through every single play and code, you know, how many guys are on the line and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, man, like two and a half hours, like, what, 47 plays per team? This is going to be beautiful. Like, give me this game so I'm boom, I'm done. I don't want to do this 70-point game where each team's running 80 (laughs) plays. Now forget about it. This is exactly the game that I want. And, yeah, I mean – I'm not going to play this because that's just such a low number, but it does feel like under or nothing in this Patriots Texans game. I'm going to go with an under. It's one of the teams that I reference and it's probably the second most exciting game on the slate this week. Browns and Chargers, which would be I think a really fun game as well in LA. The Chargers are two and a half point favorites in this game at last check. The total 46 and a half and I really like the under here. I think there is a sort of a default belief with the Chargers that because we always talk about their offense and because of what they've gotten Justin Herbert that they are this, you know, really offensively fueled team. And while they have a good and pretty efficient offense, they actually play things relatively slow, and you find the proof of that in their scores so far this season, right? I mean, you go back to week one against Washington, a game they win twenty to sixteen, week two against Dallas, a game they lose twenty to seventeen. Then you go to the Chiefs game in week three, game I already referenced, thirty to twenty-four, which sure fifty-four points is a lot, but that was under. The total there and by far the lowest scoring game that the Chiefs have played in and we've already talked about what the Chiefs do and what they make other teams do. And then last week against the Raiders 28 to 14. So first of all, something else that should be jumping out at you pretty good defense being played by the Chargers this season I'm talking about holding a Raiders team that had been very high scoring the first three weeks to 14 holding the Chiefs to 24 in a victory they holding the Cowboys to 20 like they're playing some really strong defense not a surprise when you add a head coach like Brandon Staley and then they are happy to slow things down on the offensive side of the ball as well you look on the other side of this game you find a Cleveland team that we know is always going to live with its running game and now is playing with a starting quarterback in Baker Mayfield who's got a shoulder issue and he's start in this game, but they're gonna want to play that way too. You got two teams, I think, that are happy to let this game be slow and let this game be played into the low 20s and not much higher than that. And even if they would maybe want to get it going a little bit more, I'm not sure either team is necessarily built to do that. So I really like this under. I mean 46 and a half is not I don't think they're I don't think anyone's given anything away with 46 and a half. I think it's a fair number for this to be at. But I just think that we're looking at like a 24 to 20 sort of game here with the styles that these two teams play. So I really like this under absolutely one of my favorite plays of the week. And you look at
0: last week, 14-7 for the Browns. I mean, yeah. against Minnesota, you go into that contest thinking, Oh wow, Minnesota's going to be high-scoring game, Minnesota offense. I, I did a tape breakdown of it with another coach this weekend, uh, and there's a lot of things that the, the Browns' defense did very well, mm-hmm. and, and that Browns' defense is capable of getting into that sort of contest too. And plus, if you're the Browns and you know you've got an injured quarterback, you might say, okay, we want to play this sort of game too. If, if the Chargers want to invite us to go, uh, yeah. you know, a slugfest running fest, okay, we'll go ahead and do that. We've got two really good backs. We'll go ahead and go that route too. So, yeah, I'm with you on this one.
1: Yeah, we've seen the Browns be able to play both ways. So you go back to week one against the, the, the Chargers and they, or against the Chiefs, excuse me, and they put up like 22 points in the first half and you did see them hit some big plays down the field. That was a game that, uh, Baker, or that Odell Beckham was not back on the field for this team yet. So, they can do both things. It's, you know, the signature of a, of a good team, which the Browns certainly are, uh, but that's not the way they want to play, and it's definitely not the way they want to play when Baker Mayfield's banged up and when they don't have Jarvis Landry available either, so they're going to want to lean on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They're going to want to lean on their defense, and the Chargers are just going to do what they do. Why would they possibly change the script of what's been so successful for them this season. Getting out to that 3-1 start, a win over the Chiefs, the only loss coming to the Cowboys, who, as we just talked about, a very good team in their own right. Like This is a very good Chiefs team that can win the way it wants to play, and the, or a Chargers team. This is the way that they want to play. I love this one, staying under. Let's wrap this up, KC, with a couple of player props. Let's go to you first. Tom Brady looking for a bounce-back game for himself individually on the stat line. You think he gets it? I do. Uh, it's over 305.5 passing yards. He's gone over three hundred yards in two out of four
0: games this year. The only reason he didn't get that against Atlanta is because the Bucks got really far ahead, and he still had 276 yards. He's still pretty darn close. But they could get in that scenario against Miami. But per sport radar, Miami's allowed 461 vertical passing yards on 41 vertical attempts over the past three weeks. The yards totals fifth highest. The, the attempts totals tied for fourth highest. So they've got some significant coverage issues. So mm-hmm. do the Bucs. The Bucks have all kinds of issues in their secondary with Jamel Dean and Antoine Winfield, and they already lost Murphy Bunting. But They've got injuries all over the place in their secondary. And Miami, they've got a coach who realize first off, they're not going to run the football against Tampa. They know this. Oh. Their offense, Miami's they're not running the football against anyone. <laughs> no right. they're not against anyone yeah. and tampa if the, if their defense does nothing else this year it still can stop the run uh-huh. so you're going to go after those those uh weaknesses in the secondary you're going to be aggressive i like their creative play calling too so i think they can keep it in going in shoot up mode for a little while and if that happens I mean, if you're Miami, you could you can run the ball. I'm sorry, if you're Tampa, you can run the ball if you want because Miami's run defense is terrible. But I don't think that's what they're going to do. They'll go vertical and say, look, you guys can't stop the vertical pass. That's what we're going to do. So I think that uh, Miami's able to keep this and shoot up for long enough to where Brady will get over that 305-and-a-half-yard mark.
1: Yeah, Bucks ten point favorites in this game at home. Going to be one of the more popular survivor plays uh, across the board this week, and with good reason. My uh, my one uh, player prop that I'm going to be playing this week uh, after the Daryl Henderson victory last night. How about this one? Uh, so we do a show on um, on Fridays uh, on the uh, fantasy football side of things, where we go through every single game and offer up a bet, and we don't necessarily bet them all, but it's just a fun way to talk through every single game. And some we do bet, some we don't, and it. Just forces me to look at every single angle in every single game. And Titans, Titans, Jaguars is like right away, it's like, nope, cross this off, who cares? Not touching it, boring, don't trust either team, staying away. But I was clicking around and LaVisca Chenault, when I looked at it actually uh, yesterday for the first time, he his rushing yard total was one and a half at minus 120. This morning, it's up to two and a half at minus 105. And like, I love this. I love this, Casey. He's gonna, with DJ Shark out for the season. LaVisca is going to be out there every single two-wide set. I mean, that's just that's just going to be the fact. Maybe not every single, not literally 100%, but something close to 100%. Maybe statistically insignificant less than 100% is how often Visca is going to be out there in two-wide sets. And I mean, they need to get him involved. We were excited about him before Travis Etienne got drafted to Jacksonville because of the way that they could use him, that they can make him a sort of Curtis Samuel, Robert Woods-type player who's getting six, seven targets per game and three carries per game. And now with Shark out joining ETN on the IR for the season, like he's going to get, I think, a lot of opportunities to just have the ball in his hands. And I just don't see a scenario in which we're not getting Chenault two or three carries a game, every single game. And so this number right here, two and a half rushing yards is the mark for him. Give him one or two carries. And I I just feel comfortable that he's going to turn that into positive yardage. Obviously the, the risk here is that, Run or wide receiver carries can go really really wrong right one carry could be negative eight yards and then this has no chance so that's really where the risk is here but so long as he avoids that negative play he's gonna get the opportunities and that's really why i like this the opportunities certainly are going to be there for him
0: yeah definitely and um I think that Urban Meyer is probably going to be spending a lot of time in the coaching room this week for some reason. I think he's going to want to, <laughs> for yeah. some reason. I just think he's going to spend a lot of time there. And Meyer has shown that uh, he can be a very creative play caller. So I think he and I, I say it jokingly, half jokingly, but I also do think that he's going to want to dive into getting some mm-hmm. creative things going. And that's something because now, again, with Chark gone, you've got to find ways to manufacture more offense. And I yeah. think that Meyer is now going to lean on some play calling creativity and getting Chanel on a couple of jet sweeps or you know, out of the backfield. I think it's something that could be. I think that's the reason that his yard rushing earth total went up because people are realizing that's something that the uh,
1: the Jaguars are going to need to do. We haven't seen it in a big way yet from uh, the Jaguars this season with Urban Meyer, but go back to his college career. I mean, go back to Percy Harvin at Florida, Curtis Samuel, you know, the guy who I'm just referencing, Curtis Samuel at Ohio State with Urban Meyer as the head coach. Like, he has always been able to find a way to use players like this in creative ways. And now I think the hand is forced. For them with shark out for the rest of the season. And it just, it just ups the snap count. It ups the snap count. It ups everything for LaVisca. And that's really more than half the battle here is just being on the field and using him. We saw it in week four against the Bengals, the way that he was just used more prolifically, once shark went out with that injury. And I think that's something that continues all season. So let's get on the visca train over two and a half rushing yards. And Hey, we don't even have to pay the full juice minus one Oh five on this one. That's going to wrap up this episode of best on the board. You can still get yourself in the door at the athletic for a 50% off. If you have not gotten in already, go to the athletic.com slash best. You'll get 50% off your first year to the athletic and that promo running all the way through October 20th. So that door is closing soon. Get in while you can. For Casey Joiner, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Those of you who did good luck this weekend, happy betting. We will talk to you next week.